Welcome to episode 32 of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. So on today's episode, we're kind of shaking things up. You won't be hearing a third voice. It'll just be Dunya and I. Uh, we reached out to you guys on Instagram, um, asking you guys to ask us questions. And you guys really did. And the questions were pretty interesting. So I can't wait to hear what other people have to say. I mean, we've had a question about like, how do you feel about a guy wanting to do everything 50-50 when it comes to like paying bills, finances? I know that's like a really tricky subject because everybody has their own take on that. I'm so glad um, you guys didn't hold back when when it came to questions. The last time we did an episode like this was back in June. And I feel like we've been through so much since then that it's nice to kind of like recalibrate and then also give our new followers a chance to know Dunya and I more. And kind just, of our thought process. Because like, yeah. if you listen to the other two introduction episodes, you guys would know us. Like this one, we're more so like diving into the questions and you guys get to see how we think of certain things. Right. Like there was a question about like, what do we say to those who ask us, why don't you wear the hijab? I can, oh my God, I'd be so rich if I got a dollar from every person who's ever asked me that question. Especially on social media. Because we are pretty public. I've always had a public profile on social media. But like when it comes to social media, I feel like people can hide behind their keyboards and it's just easier for them to ask. I don't want to like put too much out there, listen to the episode, but we really dive in. Um, And we don't hold back. In my opinion, we don't hold back. I'm just proud of the fact that we have had you guys as supporters who have pushed us to like our we're past our six month mark of having a podcast on air. And, you know, I've met a lot of people who've had podcasts in the past or whenever I come across new people and I meet them, they're like, oh, I had a podcast, but I was only I only did two, three episodes. I couldn't handle it. It was just too stressful. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for understanding. So for you and I to make it this far, I think it's honestly a great accomplishment. And I enjoy doing this. I enjoy meeting these women and getting to know them on a personal level like that's my favorite part it's just very intimate when you have three people talking about such a vulnerable story and i I absolutely love this i can do this for the rest of my life you know what i mean yeah if i I can i want to just like quit everything and just do the podcast if i could but i wish i my favorite I, i talked about my favorite part but also for me i become more aware of certain things like Yeah, I studied psychology for four years, but it's different when you talk about mental health in textbooks as opposed to mental health in real life and talking to people who don't have the support that they need from their community when it comes to their mental health. So like, I know that you guys feel like, oh, we're gaining so much by listening to this episode, but Dunya and I are gaining a lot as well. And it's not, and sometimes I feel selfish. Because I get to sit with these incredible women and I get to learn from them and I get to connect with them. Exactly. And I know you guys feel like, oh, they're doing this for us, but we're also kind of doing it for ourselves. And that feels good as well, because I feel like I've just evolved within the past six, seven months. You know what I mean? Like I've changed as a person. I think our intentions were from the start was like everybody's always talking about small circles and this and that. It's like, no, we're not about small small circles. We're here to like make our circle bigger, fill it with amazing women. Hashtag no new friends. You can throw that away. Get that. Get rid of that because I'm not here for it. There are so many incredible women that I have met just through this podcast. And just from even just stepping outside of your comfort zone, going to events and meeting people. And I think that's something our community needs to do a little bit more better at. Like go to mm-hmm. these networking events, connect with these women, invest in your community. If you want to see more women who look like you, that's not going to happen if you don't invest in your community. And that's like the biggest thing. That, and I'm not talking about just liking and sharing and subscribing. I Actually love that. Connecting. We love that. But connecting outside of like the social media realm, like going there and meeting people, that's yeah. what we need to I do. I mean, Danielle, like we looked up to Lizzie McGuire growing up. We looked yes. up to like people like that because we didn't have... Somebody that looked like someone us. Someone that looked like us, talked to us, talked like us, someone that had the same name as us to look up to. And I hope this platform can be that. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And I hope you guys can continue being open and honest with us. We're here for, we're still doing our advice columns. Um, we're going to do it for our next episode. So if you guys have anything that you want advice on, me and Dana are not licensed oh, no, advice yes, we professionals. Are. We are like, we have our life so put together and you're going to hear not us talk whatsoever. about that in this episode, how perfect we are and how like incredible at like multitasking and scheduling. Like we're, in, we're incredible. No, so, girl, like, send we us make, your questions. We make hot, like being a hot we're Get sued <laughs> in style all the time so if you guys have any questions and we like to keep things anonymous i understand oh, sometimes yeah. people are not pretty open with their stuff and that's okay everybody's struggling struggling in their own way so if you guys do have any questions that you want advice on or whatever send it through uh our dms honestly yeah. that's easier for us um again if you guys ever want to be a guest on our podcast send it through our to our email that's also on our um, instagram page we love reviews, so you guys have time to send us reviews. Please do. Please do. But we really hope you guys enjoy this episode. We gave our take on all these different questions that you guys have sent in. And Thank you guys so much for yeah. sending those in. We hope you guys enjoy it. Let's dive in, Zeta. Let's do it. I cannot believe we passed our six-month mark of being on air. I feel like... It's, you know, when they say time flies when you're having fun, I genuinely feel that way. I feel like our podcast is like about to hit the one year mark. And it, it just felt like yesterday we started this whole entire thing. We were brainstorming. We're like, what are we doing with this? What are we going to do with this platform? And Michelle, look where we have gone. Like we have reached a point where we have sat with such incredible women and shared so many inspiring stories from each one. And I've learned so much from every episode. It's so crazy because when you hear moms talk about their kids, like, oh, my God, I can't believe how big he's gotten. Like, no, like, we can't believe how big this podcast has gotten because exactly. you see it from, like, be before conception, like, just the idea of birthing the podcast and then having the podcast here and then seeing how it's gone through the past six months and how it's evolved. Honestly, I feel like a proud parent. And I know this sounds cliche, but I like I was always the type to be hesitant to go after anything. And then when you see that you and I have absolutely no experience in podcasting and we've done we've gone this far, it makes me believe like you are capable of doing anything. And I, I said this in a post the other day in a snap because I was just in my feels in my moment and everything. I was like, if you're sitting on some sort of talent, I don't care what it is, if you're a writer, if you're just anything do it go after it like why are you so nervous what are you scared of what people are going to think we've gotten some feedback and we've grown from that feedback you know and I think at the beginning when we received that feedback we took it as criticism not really constructive criticism but I think it was those comments that really pushed us to achieve what we've achieved so far and like I said I'm just I'm really happy that we took that jump. I think I was as hesitant as you are um, because it is a public project. If it fails, it fails publicly. You know, everyone will see that you weren't successful at something, but I think we need to stop thinking about what other people think of our failures. And if we fail, we learn something from that. You know what I mean? We've gained something from that. I've always learned so much from my failures, but I was always that behind the scenes person. Like anytime anybody asked me to work on something with them, I was always behind the scenes. So for us both to take this step where we're in the public eye and it's you and I holding the mic, it is kind of a little bit nerve wracking. But at the end of the day, this is something that I love doing and I think I'll continue doing it. You too, Zaina. And like I said, we have just so much more in store for you guys. And 
it's now become bigger than a podcast. We've also have a book club too, which is awesome. And I feel like I want us to all engage in different ways. And we've also been going to networking events. It's like, who are we? You know what I mean? I'm saying we're taking this podcast outside of my spare bedroom and into the world. And I think that's awesome. Like it's not just Dunya and I sitting behind a mic, behind a laptop, talking to each other no we're reaching out to people we're meeting new people we're experiencing new things and that's what I that's my favorite part of this whole experience is one putting myself in situations that I've never imagined myself being in like sometimes I'll be someone I'm like how did I how did I get here and then it's meeting people meet people that you followed on Instagram for so long since the beginning of the platform and having an actual one-on-one conversation what feels like a one-on-one conversation with them I mean, that's my favorite part. And at the end of the day, I think anybody that's going into anything just wants the support of their community. And mashallah and alhamdulillah, we've had that support from you guys, but we hope to continue gaining that support. And like I said, the best way is just simply listening to our podcast, just listening, sharing our podcast with your family and friends. Sometimes sharing doesn't always mean like sharing it on Instagram, just a word of mouth really helps. And that's a lot of people that come up to us like, oh, my, you know, my friend was talking about you guys the other day. And I was like, let me check you guys out. To me, that's like a big deal you know what I mean yeah so when someone comes up to me they're like oh my god I love your podcast I do not know how to act so yeah. if you've ever come up to me and I'm like awkward it's just because I'm just an awkward person like I'm like oh my god thank you but then it's like because like you're humble you want to yeah, humble yourself like, oh yeah my podcast like, yeah you know with the I hair mean? flip exactly <laughs> and that's that's at the end of the day we really really genuinely love and appreciate every single one of you guys and we really want to thank you guys for supporting us like I said just make sure you guys always just listen to us share us and just like you know give us a review too honestly that that really really helps us get across to other people too that's that's the most important thing so for this episode we decided to ask you guys um to ask us any questions that you guys have and it wasn't more so specific to just our lives or anything like that or about us i think we've had already two introduction episodes about us these questions were more so about like actual genuine topics and they want our feedback on it and they're pretty interesting topics do you want to dive into the first one yes the first one is what do we say to those who ask why we don't wear the hijab and i feel like this was something especially at the beginning we received so many comments under our picture like sis Where's the hijab? And um, I hate that sis. No, oh my God. I'm not your sister. Sorry. Yes. So we don't have problems with people asking if it's a genuine question, if it's out of genuine curiosity. And we've talked about this before. It's not what someone asks, it's how they ask it. You know, if you're coming off as rude or entitled or, you know, I'm looking down at you because you don't wear the hijab, you're not going to get an answer out of us. And I remember the instance once, um, Zaina, in the past where I believe there was like this huge platform. They posted us. It was you and I. It was a picture of us. And there was this guy. I remember him. He was in my DMs and everything like that. And the only reason why I remember is because he was consistently in my DMs. And every girl knows that type of guy. You know what I mean? Obviously, I ignored him. But when it came to this platform and this, this person shared our picture, the person that was in our DMs right away, bluntly, went underneath the picture and asked, but where are their hijabs? And of course, I'm petty. I went ahead and mentioned or commented back to him. And I was like, the same place where you left your manners at. And this is, goes I hand in hand. Response. Because it goes hand in hand with what you said, Zaina. Like, if I'm consistently asking myself this question every single day, when am I going to wear the hijab? I have absolutely no issues with somebody asking me that question either. But if it, only if it comes from a genuine, well-intentioned, you know what I mean? Place, like, yeah. Yeah, place where they actually care about it and they, they're just genuinely asking, like, why? what's stopping you from wearing it? Exactly. And I want to put like a little PSA out there for everyone who is thinking of leaving comments like that. 
I'm not going to wear the hijab because you leave that type of comment under my photo. Like, it's I'm, not going to encourage gonna, me. No. And it's instead of trying to make me feel guilty about not wearing, because I know I should be wearing. It's something that I'm dealing with. It's something that I'm battling internally. But instead of making me feel guilty about that, show me why I should wear it. Encourage me. Be that, that support that I need, that guidance that I need. But when you fill it with negativity, it's not what I need right now. Cece Ailia's episode, which was episode 31. Obviously, she's much more eloquent than you and I, how we mm. like talk about it, because I guess she, she is a hijabi and she's dealt with that struggle. And she was at one point a non-hijabi and then she transitioned to becoming a hijabi and a hijabi who struggled with the hijab as well. So please listen to that episode because she really, you know, just gives you that insight of what she is dealing with and everything like that. And I just feel like for me, Zaina, I'm slowly transitioning into that. I, I don't know. I'm not that type of person that's just going to wake up one day and just like wear it, but I am slowly tra transitioning. And what I, what I mean by that is the way I dress, I'm trying to dress better. I'm trying to wear looser clothing. I'm, you know what I mean? Like just not, you're, it's not hiding underneath huge, big clothes or anything like that, but dressing a little bit modestly, a little bit looser. You know what I mean? Where people can't see the silhouette of your body and all and that I good stuff. And I think that's going to make it easier for you. That whole process of slowly transitioning from short sleeve to three quarters to long sleeve. And then once you do decide that last moment to put the hijab on, it's going to feel it's just going to be easier. And I'm, I'm so grateful that Alia did come on. And I know I talked about meeting these incredible ladies and Alia is definitely one of them because what I've learned from recording her episode and posting it is that Donia and I and Alia, we're not the only ones dealing with this. This is something that so many women are dealing with, whether you don't wear the hijab, whether you're wearing it, whether you've taken it off. This is something that all of us are battling. And it's nice. I know this is so weird to say, but it's comforting to know that you're not the only one going through something. Especially something that serious. You know what I mean? Because it is part of our faith. And I truly believe it's in the Quran. I know some people may beg to differ, but this is something that I think about all the time. And I, I think because we've also reached a certain age. You know what I mean? We're yeah. not as young anymore as we thought we were. You know what I mean? I hit the 30-year mark. It's like, so when will I ever decide to wear it? And I think this is something I struggled with too, Zane. I don't know if you struggled with it too. I felt like if I'm not going to wear it right, like 100% right, then I'm not going to wear it at all. And this is like the worst way of, to think of like of the hijab like I don't think you should ever think that you should be a perfect hijabi because nobody is but at the same time when I really thought about that and I sat down I'm like why did I always think that that I have to wear right I felt because I was wearing I was thinking about wearing the hijab but wearing it for the wrong people like if I'm consistently thinking about I have to wear it right or I'm not going to wear it at all it's because I cared more so about what people had to say about me and my tight clothes while wearing the hijab no this is a connection between you and Allah like it's more than just this piece of cloth on your head it is a deep connection between you and Allah and you should not stop yourself from wearing it just because there are those who are going to judge you from head to toe and say oh she has makeup on her jeans are too tight this and that you know and I think that idea came into your mind because of Instagram because you see all those comments under the hijabi photos like like why are you wearing the hijab if you're wearing you know tight jeans or a tight t-shirt or whatever and it's because of Instagram I think that idea was planted in your head and and it is like you're not wearing the hijab for people you're wearing it for Allah and I actually had the same type of idea there was a period of my life I think it was when I first started college that I was missing some salah you know I would be in class it's hard to leave class when you're you know, when you're in class, just to pray. And so I would tell myself, you know, like, if I'm not going to pray on time today, then like, why pray at all? And I had to kind of like stop myself from thinking that way. And alhamdulillah, I was able to pull myself out of that. But it's okay to not do things perfectly. Like Allah knows that we're human. It's okay that if, you know, our prayers are, are late or our hijab isn't 
exactly you know the as uh, modest as it should be exactly it's okay to be imperfect because we're human and that's what we are I think it's the effort but at the same time don't justify your you know what I mean like missteps at the same time don't be like oh well at least I did I don't know I see these memes and maybe I like maybe I don't agree with these when they say well at least they prayed one prayer today you know what I mean but it's like if you could pray one let's just try to pray the two three four five prayers. I've seen those um so it's like it's hard because yes I know it's hard and some people are coming back to the religion maybe those people yes it'll take time but for us who pray the five and then we stop and then pray it's like yeah no where's the consistency yeah and that's something that I deal with too is the consistency of it like I'll pray all my salah today and then tomorrow I'll miss the duhud and then you know on Tuesday I'll miss this salah and then it's like I need to get back on being consistent we're going to talk about the hijab yes, yeah. or the hijab the prayer in just a minute because that was also another good question i feel like we can go on and on about prayer because again even we can go on and on about hijab yeah. it, again i think at the same time everybody's story and everybody's struggle varies from one person to the next so at the end of the day all you have to do is just be compassionate towards somebody that's it you don't have to judge them attack them or anything like that imagine the horrible deeds that you're getting while they're getting good deeds because they're trying, even though you think that they're not getting good deeds at all because you don't think they're Muslim enough. But here you are as a Muslim judging them and you're the one that's reaping all these bad deeds. Like, subhanAllah, it's how so things crazy work. to think about. It is. And people don't think that way at all. So let's move on to the second question. I mean, you guys had some really good questions. This one's interesting. This one's how to deal with heartbreak and truly embodying self-love. Let's start with the heartbreak part. I think they even go hand in hand. They do. Which is they great. Do. Yeah, I like but, that she um, asked that. Let's talk about dealing with heartbreak. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people and you hear this from a lot of your friends a lot of family members when you've broken up with someone when you've ended an engagement even ended a marriage they tell you just get over it and don't listen to them you need to allow yourself to feel all the feels you need to be sad you need to be mad you need to be angry or angry or disappointed give into those emotions because if you bottle them up it's just gonna weigh heavy on you and you're gonna have to carry that weight around and then eventually it's gonna become a part of you for me, I think at my age, looking back at everything that I've ever been through, I kind of don't think it was ever heartbreak. I think it's it's weird to say that, but I think um, I had this like epiphany, I guess you want to say, but it's more so like, I feel like in our lives as Muslim girls from our community, we have these set expectations, these set deadlines. And you hear people like joke about it, like, oh, I'm expired. I'm not married yet. And I'm past the age of 25. You know what I mean? So I feel like a majority of us are living our lives with these set deadlines that are put together, you know what I mean? Put together by our, our culture, our subculture. I don't want to say our entire culture, but our subculture, where by a certain age, you should get married. By a certain age, you should finish school. You should have kids. You should have a house and stuff like that. So I feel like what's really happening is that you're going after these expectations, but your your blessing has a certain shipping date on it. And you're trying to rush the shipping date and you're you're not getting what you want out of the certain relationship that you're in right now because that's not the relationship you're supposed to be in that was never your nasib but you rushed to expect because you thought that i have to live my life with these expectations by 25 i should be married at 25 you met this guy you thought he was the right one but you kind of forced it because you thought that you should get married but he was never your nasib imagine waiting and putting your full trust in allah and receiving your nasib and your blessings at the right time i think that's when things really fall into place. And and that's why I feel like sometimes heartbreak comes from a point of your, uh, like a, a place where you're like forcing things to happen in your life because you think that's where you should be. So at it's in re- life. not really heartbreak. It's more so disappointment. Yes. Yeah. That exactly, Zaina. That makes sense. I think, um, like you said, I think we all, we have these expectations. We have these ideas in our head of, I want to be married by this age, have kids by this age. But as much as you plan and plan and plan, 
Allah has his own plan and you can't change that. You can't modify that. It is what it is. So I think we need to stop and let go of these expectations, these rigid outlines that we set out for ourselves, and just let Allah do his thing. Because, I mean, you could say here, and I know these conversations are hard to sometimes to have with your parents when you reach a certain age and you're not married, you're not sitting down with anybody, you're not getting to know anybody. But it's like you have to have these tough conversations with your parents and explain to them, like, listen, I'm not trying to go through a divorce. That's not something I want. And, and I I'm don't not, think your parents want that either. For no, you. nobody wants it because a divorce affects not just you, but your entire family and that person's family and all. But I also don't want people to, if they've been through one bad relationship where they even had genuine intentions to get married and all that stuff, I don't want you to think that love isn't for you. And I think that's the saddest thing. Some people come out of it saying, maybe I'm not ever meant to be with anybody. No, you were just not meant to be with that person. And at the end of the day, when you're done with a heartbreak, I want people to understand, especially women, you still matter. You are who you are. You have not lost anything from yourself. And I feel some people lose themselves when the heartbreak happens. No, you just lost a person that was not meant for you, but you never lost yourself. You are who you are. You still matter. You, you're still important. And inshallah, one day you're going to find the person that's meant for you. So that's one thing I think we need to focus on is not bringing ourselves down just because something didn't work out that's why i also think that we do have to allow ourselves to feel whatever we feel and then once we've cried all the tears once we've exhausted those emotions find an outlet and i think a lot of what we've seen our guests have done in the past is they've let their feelings out through writing it doesn't have to be writing it can be any type of outlet but get those emotions out of you and i think once you see it on paper or see it in a painting that you've done or see it in any type of way that you can express those emotions then you're like okay I can officially move on now like I've done what I needed to do to get over it and now I can move on and then you can start focusing on yourself and a lot of people I see once they break up with someone they go back to school or they get to the gym and they start taking care of themselves it's like they, there's a fire ignited exactly exactly and I I don't want to say don't rush into anything afterwards because I know a lot of people do that but focus on yourself for a while. And I think once you begin to focus on yourself, that self-love comes in. You start appreciating who you are. You start noticing things about yourself that you didn't notice before. And then as long as you love yourself, then I think it's easier for you to find someone who can love you the same way you love yourself. And before we jump into self-love, because like I said, you're right, it goes hand in hand. I think us women, we ignore red flags all the time because, again, we're so set on these expectations and I just want to get married. But, oh, you know, he's not good with this. He did this. He talked bad to me this way. But it's okay. Things will change after we get married. Can you please explain? I'm like shaking my head at that. Like I've heard that so many times. Like, oh, he's just stressed out because the wedding's coming up. Mm -mm. Oh, work is really hard right now. Don't make excuses for him talk to him about anything that you're concerned with because this is something that I dealt with too you know the wedding time is a very stressful time and I remember calling up my fiance at the time and my husband now and saying like hey like like what's up and he's like you know I'm just so stressed and then like he let go of the things that he was that he was you know that he was carrying around on his shoulder and once you guys can talk things out it makes the relationship so much better. But if you're ignoring those red flags, he's going to think you're fine with it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's not going to change. It's going to just become a, a ripple effect where it gets worse and worse. I'm telling you guys, red flags do not magically disappear on their own. They do not go away on their own. These are things that need to be addressed. And we're sp- speaking from experience. Like this is something you definitely have to sit down with your partner or your significant other and discuss and be like, hey, I don't like the way you're talking to me. I understand you're stressed, but there should be a level of respect still. You know what yeah. I mean? Or, you know what? Like our financials are not that great. Like, can you 
like talk to me about this? Like we're, you're like leaving me in the dark with a lot of things, which again, we're, we're going to talk a little bit later in the episode. There's a lot of things that you guys need to talk about. And I think if you're both mature enough to get married, you should be mature enough to have these conversations, these uncomfortable conversations. I mean, they really shouldn't be. Red this flag. is your life partner. Yes. How can you not have conversations about things that are affecting your life together like this is something that needs to be done enough with this oh i'm shy or i don't want to get him mad oh blah 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 no no well it's okay to get him mad it's okay to have those arguments because those arguments are what gonna they're gonna bring you together at the end don't you think sometimes even like parents pressure you to be like be quiet it's okay it's not a big deal just you know stick it out sometimes i think that happens to a lot in like engagements and like early like marriage stages and stuff like that where they kind of like oh it's not a big deal what he's doing but if it's affecting you it's affecting Possibly, you yeah no i think that's some but i also think like yeah listen to your parents but also like listen to your heart and listen to what you believe is right for yourself like you have to put your parents ideas and opinions on one hand and then your husband's or your fiance's or the person that you're talking to at the other hand and then weigh them out and then put yourself in the center and say like what do I need to do to find my happiness and I know we always want to please our parents we always want to please our spouse but like we need to focus on pleasing ourselves sometimes yeah and like to transition to self-love I think sometimes we're being focused we our culture kind of focuses so much more on the marriage aspect that they forget to teach us self-love like how do you love yourself first how do you feel whole before entering a marriage like because i don't know about you when i was younger anytime i wanted to do anything my mom would say until you get married then you could do whatever you want why just because i now what i'm gonna have like another parent guardian is that what he's supposed to be to me no he's supposed to be my partner not somebody that controls me or is like a father figure you know what i mean yeah but it was always like that it's like teach me to be a, a woman on my own and do things on my own and to be independent on my own so that if anything were to happen with our marriage and it ends badly I can still stand on my own and I'm okay you know what I mean something that I constantly think about is something that Dunya said um, a few episodes ago that yes so uh marriage is half of your dean but marriage isn't half of who you are you said mm -hmm. something like that right? yeah yeah and that is in itself should be like painted on every billboard board like it just everyone should know that because you being married isn't like, oh, that's my identity. It doesn't complete who you are. You need to uh, develop who you are as a person and then find your spouse because you can't expect someone to fill a void in your, in You're your heart. You're so right, Zena. I think we just misinterpret that line in our, you know, it says basically like it fulfills half of your faith. Where did we change the faith to who you are? You know what I mean? A faith is a part of you, but it's not exactly like you, your whole person and everything like that. So I think, yes, you definitely have to, come into a marriage and also leave a marriage if need be as a whole person and trust yourself and be independent and be strong enough. Because if you're looking for someone to fill that void in, once they do leave, Bad idea. then you're going to feel like half a person. And that's it's not true. You are a whole person. Don't allow anyone to become physically and emotionally a part of you and and you said this before like self-love can prevent heartbreak in a way if you love yourself then who cares if you know you end a relationship then you can still love yourself at the end of the day yeah or not maybe like i did say prevent heartbreak but like i don't want people to like oh this is like you know the remedy for it but it's like more so like it makes it easier yes that's exactly it it makes it easier because you come to terms with like okay you know what i still have myself i understand that this didn't go right i there's not there's nothing wrong with you because sometimes it could be your fault too why marriage doesn't yeah. work out but at least you'll understand now going to a next relationship or something like that you're more self-aware of who you are and i think that's something 
something that we don't invest in ourselves. We're not emotionally invested in ourselves. We put ourselves last as women all the time. So it's it's like a dangerous, like a horrible recipe when you enter a marriage and you're not a whole person yourself. And here you are expecting this guy to fill the void, like your void, your emptiness. And it's like, why are you going to put all that pressure on this guy too as well? He didn't sign up for that. He wasn't supposed to be here and fill you up and make you a happy person. You should be happy on your own. For me, self-love, we talked about this in another episode with uh, Sahara Shafi, and it was a really good episode, but there's service level um, self-love, and then there's that deep self-love. So surface level is more like getting getting a facial, going to the gym, having a girl's night out, but then there's also deeper self-love, like where you actually maybe pray, you talk to God, you really like come in tune with who you are and all that good stuff, so... I think our generation is going to be the generation that teaches our daughters that they don't need a man to be full and Mm -hmm. to be complete and to be whole. Yes, exactly. And that's what I'm really proud of our generation for already starting that. Like I see the little girls on Instagram and they're just like fierce. They have their personality already. And I love it. I love when we can teach our girls that like it's okay to be who you are. You don't need to be timid or shy or whatever to find someone. You know what I mean? This next question is super interesting. I'm curious to see what you have to say about this. So the question is, should men provide for us women or should things be 50-50? I feel like people get really riled up when it comes to this because everybody has their personal opinion. Honestly, yes. my household, between my husband and I, it's not 50-50. So what is it exactly? Well, not exactly, but like generally. It's hard to say, you know... I think I can sit here and tell you, like, this is my husband and I's financial plan and I can detail everything and I can detail the goals that we've set out because we have five-year goals, 10-year goals, and we talk about them constantly. But just because it works for my husband and I and Charlotte doesn't mean it's going to work for anyone listening. You know what I mean? Like, it it may work for us, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. It doesn't mean it's right for you. So when you're talking about finances, this is a really hard uncomfortable conversation especially for newlyweds especially for a new couple I remember when we first got married having that budget talk it just made me cringe like I don't want to talk about money did you have it after you guys got married um so when we got engaged I remember like talking about like the wedding and wedding dress and it wasn't really like oh like don't spend more than this but I at that point I'm like give me a number Uh, give me a number because like I can go really low I can go really like you need to give me a number but (laughs) always talking about money was something that I hated and it wasn't until we sat down and and we came back from our honeymoon and we were looking at like groceries and and electricity I never had to pay like I never had to think about this stuff that I realized how important that conversation was this is supposed to be your partner this is supposed to be someone that inshallah you're with for the rest of your life how can you not talk about something that I hate to say it but money controls us like whether you have a lot of it or whether you have a little bit of it, it does control us and it does pull us in different directions. And being on the same page when it comes to money with your with your spouse is so crucial. Like it's crucial. It can make or break a, a relationship. It is. There was something I read online. Um, it was uh, a man is a guardian. This is obviously from our religion, our, from Islam. It says a man is a guardian of his family and he is responsible for them. A woman is a guardian of her husband's home and his children and she is responsible for them. So clearly there are expectations and certain rights that come with a man and come with a woman in our religion. And we know this and we see how our parents were raised and everything like that. And I also highly recommend um, a friend sent this to me, but you should listen to the rights and responsibilities of marriage by Hamza Yusuf. He really breaks it down and it's super interesting to listen to well it's really really good actually is that on youtube 
spotify like oh, one of okay. those you know it's like uh, like an audio you can listen to it yeah if you guys have spotify go ahead and listen to it there and you know tons of Yusuf. i'm pretty sure he has some stuff on youtube yeah. like you could easily find it but i do believe that one of the main reasons of divorce is due to financial situations financial reasons and all that stuff we go into these marriages these serious marriages without talking about money and yes i understand there is that underlying uncomfortableness like to, to ask him like how much are you making and stuff like that it almost makes you feel like sound like you're needy but really that's not or your you're intention. just marrying for the money or you're marrying for the money oh my god that's like the worst thing ever but you're right this has to be it's, it has to be a conversation that's had and let's say i have an expectation where i don't want to work i don't want to go to work nine to five monday through friday like that's not something i want to do but because I never had that conversation with my fiance or my husband, he doesn't know that. So he's expecting, you know what I mean? These are yes. the type of conversations. Mm -hmm. And if you do want to be a stay at home mom and you do want to be a stay at home wife, you still have to have the conversation of money. You know Stop what I mean? acting like you're going to be this perfect spouse and blah, blah, blah. And you're hiding all these, like these demands that you have because you don't want to be difficult at the beginning. It's much, much more difficult to like tell him exactly what you wanted after the marriage. It's like, oh, yeah. whoa, like that's that's not okay. You know what I mean? You have to explain your thoughts exactly. If you're the type that doesn't want to work, you have to let him know from the start. Yeah. If you're the type that wants to work, but at the same time, you're not trying to pay these big bills just because you're yeah. working, have this conversation. And I know there are these guys, especially in our culture, which is amazing, they want to provide for the woman. They'll tell you, I got you 100%. Anything you want, I will be there to like provide for you. Those are still the type of guys you still should ask like, hey, let's talk about our financials. Absolutely. How much money are you making? This is how much I'm making. Let's still budget. It's great that he wants to provide for you. That's awesome. But you're still left in the dark. You still don't know how much he has or what he's making or anything like that. Exactly. And if you don't talk about budgets, then you guys could either be living paycheck to paycheck, which is, which is something that nobody wants to do. You never want to live paycheck to paycheck. But if you're not talking about how much money is coming in and how much money you're spending at at the end of the month then you don't know how much there is saving how much there is support toward a house that you guys want to buy in five years like if you're not having these conversations in the long run it might be okay now but trust me 5 10 15 years from now when all of your friends have bought these you know they all have these homes and they're all going on these vacations and you guys are still living paycheck to paycheck that's the time where you're going to be like we should have talked about this years ago this should have been a conversation that we had so long ago yeah there are there are relationships like that where they are just basically just indulging in temporary things and not saving up for their future and i do believe you should have like a one-year plan a five-year plan yeah. not everybody's gonna have a mansion and that's okay yeah. personally i don't want one that's just too much cleaning. too much to clean yeah i don't care for that i just want a cozy home but there if you have a certain level of expectation where you want to be in five years girl you guys gotta save you have to find a, a, you know a medium in the middle like where you guys are saving who's saving what and all that stuff but i do think um when I don't know if people agree with this or not, but sometimes as women, we are raised to feel like a guy should provide everything for you. So it is a sense of entitlement. And sometimes I feel like we are going to these marriages relying on guys. And I hate being dependent on anyone. I've always, me my too. dad has always raised me to be independent. And I think this is just me. Nothing wrong with women, women who have a guy providing for them. That's you. That's okay. That's totally okay. But I think it's very important to also have this little bit of independency like do something for yourself save to the side for yourself because you never know what might happen but at the same time what i was trying to get at is 
expenses and cost of living is completely different than our parents' time. So back then when our parents say a guy should provide, you should better go into this marriage where he's doing all this stuff for you, they lived in a different time than we did. Nowadays, it's so expensive. I think sometimes households need, you need a dual income household. You do. It to makes even it have so much even just easier. Two kids. Yeah, it yes. makes it so much easier. So I do feel like as working women, this is my personal take on this. I'm not going to pay the mortgage or the big, you know, the huge bills or anything like that. I feel like, yes, I still want the, you know, my future husband to provide that. But there are moments where you're going to have to help him with gaps and fill in some certain things. Are you going to be the type that's really petty that's not going to even go run to the grocery store because you think he should provide groceries as well? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, How do you feel about that? Like, no, do you still do little things here and there? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not like oh, I paid for this today and you owe me. No, no. It's like I said, it's a partnership. Yes. Think of marriage as like one big collaboration, but it's a collaboration that lasts for life. Mm-hmm. Like you never want to be like uh, taking points off. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, I paid for this. And so next time you should pay for that. No, no, no. It's one. It's one. So like if I pay for groceries, then I mean, that's just something that I paid for. At the end of the day, Every relationship varies from like one couple to the next couple to the next couple. Some people are very well off. Some people have to live that paycheck to paycheck. I think you and I can agree. The most important thing is have this conversation so you guys can both have a clear and concise plan. When it comes to bills, even talk about each of your bills like you just said. See, list out all the bills that you have and see what you can help him out with right. if you can. If you're working, why not? Even if it's one bill a month. Yes. Even if it's, it's just something. one thing, it makes one you feel like you're a part of it, not just an outsider looking in. And if you don't have these conversations, let's say your husband does fall on hard times and money isn't coming in as much as you assume that it's coming in because it's always came in the same you're not gonna change your spending habits because you don't know about it you don't know that he's having a hard time and that could go on for a while and you could be spending money as if you that you have it as if it's sitting in your bank and it's not so it's just it's I know it's a difficult conversation it's awkward sometimes but you're in this together he's not a parent he's not a guardian He's your partner. So have these conversations. Absolutely right. And everybody has a right as a husband and a right as a woman. I think you both should fulfill each other's rights. It's like almost like a business plan. So if somebody's shorting the other person, the other person has a right to short you too. You know what I mean? I think also when it comes to personal expenses, sometimes like as a woman, I like to shop here and there. I like to do things. And I feel like when it comes to personal expenses, like I'm okay with paying, paying that if I'm yeah. working. Because I don't like, again, if, if you really go into a marriage and you think of it as a partnership, you never want to see your partner struggle at all no. with anything. But if you're not, if you think of a marriage as like, oh, this guy's going to spend all this money on me and he's going to provide for me and I'm going to have a nice, easy life then you kind of got married for the wrong reasons. And it's not okay to do that to somebody. No. So again, I think we do live in different times. I think more women are working. They're much more educated. And I feel like every couple is different. But for me, I would like to help my husband. I would like to help him in where I'm comfortable doing so, where you're not forced. Because a guy shouldn't force you to work. He shouldn't force you to pay bills or anything like that. That's also in our religion and our faith. But at the same time, help him out. Like, girl, that's like your husband. You know what I mean? And but if somebody wants 50 50, then let them know from the start. Like, no, that's that not going to fly with me. mentioned from the very beginning. Very beginning, like, you guys. Yeah. You could tell right away, like, what kind of relationship this is going to be money wise. Because he could be making a hundred times more than you. Like, you know, I'm, I'm. I don't agree with the guy that's making a hundred times more than you, but he still wants 50 yeah, 50. That's ridiculous. That's, that's a little. No, you can't do that. Yeah, come on. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's why you have to have this conversa- conversation. It has to be had. Like, point blank that's the end like it it has to be had talk to your husband how about our next question which we kind of almost touched upon in the beginning of the episode difficulty praying we've all been there i'm still there i don't know about you zayna how do you feel about that 
it's gotten better for me. I remember when I lived in Palestine, I was in sixth and seventh grade and I was so, it's so weird to say, but I was so religious on my prayers. Like it was something that like, as soon as I'd done, and it's so easy there because you're hearing the mosque like a mile away from your home. Your house is filled with the sounds of the adhan. It like kind of like sways you into your room, putting on the salah clothes. Like it's so easy to do. The lifestyle kind of revolves around our faith in Palestine. Exactly. Here it's like, no. And then yeah. once I moved back, it it became difficult. And when I moved back, it was 2016. I didn't have these apps on my phone to constantly remind me to pray. I didn't have what I have now that motivates me. And so it it did become a lot harder. And alhamdulillah, I've gotten a lot better, but I still struggle with this, especially working and working in the corporate world where it's not easy to just leave a meeting when you have your, your bosses and your boss's bosses sitting around the table talking to you. It's really weird to say, hey, hold on one second and I have to go pray. And they're looking at you like, what the hell? And it, it is hard, and I know a lot of people do do it, but for me, it's something that I'm still struggling with. The, the, I'm glad that you said meeting, because sometimes if you're sitting at your desk, yes, you can get up, you can yeah. find a private room and pray, but sometimes we are stuck in these meetings. And that they go you, on for so long. And it could have been an email. I'm yeah. being serious. Oh a majority of my meetings could have been an like email. Just, just so, fluff, honestly. Yeah. And I understand, it's like, how, imagine me like getting up in the middle of a meeting and deciding to pray. Yeah, our jobs don't accommodate for that no, at all. They're sometimes they don't. As understanding, because sometimes like they're not as religious and they don't no. understand like the five periods because everybody's religion is different they don't have the five periods like us they won't understand that at a certain time you have to get up and you have to pray so i was watching this lecture by mufti mink and i know everybody knows him he has some great lectures out there and i really like this um example that he gave this was something about how i talked about earlier about like just because you did one you should try also to do the you know the other four daily prayers basically he said if you want to enter paradise imagine you needing a specific key and if you don't have this key and it doesn't have all its teeth then you can't unlock the door and we all know this we all have keys to our houses it has to be a certain shape to be able to like put it in in the keyhole and then be able to turn the key well basically he was saying imagine having one of the teeth on the key missing then you know it's not going to work and you're not going to enter paradise. So what he's trying to say is if you miss a prayer, that's almost like missing one tooth out of the, the key and you're not going to really generally enter par like paradise. So it kind of makes you put things into perspective like, dang, like just because I was missing Fajr every single day for the rest of my life, but I made all the other prayers, like that was the one thing that was going to stop me from going to Jannah. Like, it's if a you, scary yes, thing to think if about. If you put and that emphasis on it, yeah. That's the motivation we need, like, I thought of it as like missing a prayer is like missing the train. Mm -hmm. It won't take you to where you want to go because you're, you're not doing it. It's not going to push you. Like you have all these goals, you have all these things that you want, but if you're not praying, it's you're not going to be able to achieve that because Allah is not going to award you with something when you're not giving him anything in return. You guys have to really realize Allah's only asking us for five. Five five daily prayers and when, I, when I'm saying this trust me I'm not somebody that's praying all these on time I'm literally saying this to really like allow it motivate to hit yourself. me and yeah. motivate me too but I think it's because we live in a time where we expect instant gratification and instant results and obviously a prayer you're not your blessings are not just going to magically poof right in front of you appear and here you are and you're happy and all that but you got to understand for me I like treat a prayer as like this is my moment a break from the real world to talk to Allah like this is my conversation with Allah. So this is another way to think about it. Imagine like all these doctor's appointments you rush to and you make sure you make it on time. Imagine all these other like rushing to work, like you said, Zayn, catching that train. Imagine you, God, making an appointment with you at a certain time each day, five times a day, and you're telling him, no, I'm not coming. 
because here's Allah making an appointment with you every day and you're saying, no, I'm good. Maybe next time. But you can go to your doctor's appointments. You can go to work. You can go to school. You can go even to your friends' houses on time and everything. But for God, you're literally saying with your actions, your speak, there are, speak louder than the words that you're saying, I'm not coming. Imagine you made an appointment with your nail technician and then every time you made that appointment, you didn't show up. Honestly, she'd put you on a block list. Yes. Like, I'm not taking you anymore. Like, that's it. Yeah. And it's not Allah moving away from you. It's you moving away from yeah. Allah. And I, I, it was hard for me to ever understand this, but prayers, you're not, they don't benefit Allah. They benefit you. You. it's all about you Allah does not need any of our good deeds or anything that we do or whatever he it, this is all for you for the goodness and the well-being of you and who you are as a Muslim you know what I mean something that you Jannah. just said earlier was mm-hmm. instant gratifications and I think we assume that whatever we're asking for in that moment is right for us there have been times where I remember praying to God like please let this happen please let this happen and then being upset when it didn't happen and then now looking back at that moment Years later, I'm like, thank God Allah didn't give me what I was asking for at that time because it wasn't right for me. So we have to stop expecting these instant results. These, you know, I'm asking Allah for this and tomorrow he's going to give it to me. It doesn't work like that because we don't know what's good or bad for us in that moment. Yeah, we don't. And I think also we talked about this with Aaliyah. We've become lazy with our deen and but we're such confident Muslims. And what that means is. We miss a prayer, but we justify it because we say, well, I talked to God the other night. Like, we're good. We're, we're best friends here. No, you can't justify missing a prayer with anything. There's absolutely no excuse other than, like I said, if you're if you're too sick to pray. You know what I mean? That's the only way. But to me, when it comes to Fajr time, I struggle. And it's like, it's subhanAllah how our bed sheets are so light. They're as light as a feather. But when the shaitan is able to convince you to not pray Fajr, those same bed sheets become as heavy as bricks. Isn't it crazy how everything just is? Like These are the same bed sheets that when you wake up in the morning to work, you can easily flick them off of you. Mm -hmm. But why when it comes to Fajr, it's like, no, I'm good. Like I concrete, can't. I can't yeah. move. I, it's like sleep paralysis. Like I'm frozen. Do you ever feel that? Oh no, a hundred percent. And 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 we talked about this a little, like you said in Ali's episode, um, when it came to the term modern Muslim, and how big of an oxymoron that mm-hmm. term is because it's not real. You can't take the words of Allah and then mold them to fit your specific lifestyle. Like, that's not what Islam is. That might be what other religions have become, but that's not what Islam is. And that's what makes Islam. It's the words that Allah wrote down centuries ago. And who are we as millennials to come and be like, no, I want to change this. Oh, no, like, you know, I have to do this at the specific time. I, I can't pray. Like, we can't do that. And it's so crazy because you look at what Allah's asking us. He's asking us for five prayers. That's let's say 10 minutes out of your day that's nothing so we always talk about like Allah doesn't give you more than you can he gives you enough where it's not burdensome and it also happens it, this also relates to um prayers too I know we talk about hardships and stuff like that but it also comes back to prayers too if you wanted to burden us and make it really extremely hard it would have been 50 or 100 daily prayers yeah. you know what I mean this is only five so if if Allah knows his creations the best, and if he knows that his creations can handle five daily prayers, he's giving us five daily prayers. If he knew that we can handle more, he would have given us more. But he's saying you can handle five daily prayers, and we're saying, no, you don't know us. I can't do this. Like, you're literally in in your mind with your actions also. You're having these conversations with God. It's like this push and pull, and it's 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 you have to really think about stuff like this. I kind of went in a rabbit hole, and I was watching all these lectures, and I love watching lectures on YouTube. Honestly, sometimes they're really, like, great to help you recalibrate. And there was one lecture, I forgot who was by, but he's like, 
you know, you call yourself a good person, but what scale are you using? Like, what do you mean you're a good person? And there's certain like levels to being a good person too. There's, he said, there's like the moral obligation when you're just like a good person, a good citizen society and all this stuff, you know, people that say you don't need religion to be a good person, but then there's also your religious obligation where you're praying the five daily prayers, where you're giving back to your community. So he's like, you can't just be good morally and then lack in religious obligations. And then he's like, you can't be a person that's always at the gym and always donating, but you're such a, a horrible person to everybody else even your own family it's like you need both so it's like people need to throw away the scale that they have in their head they think that they do one or good like campaigns and stuff like that and they think that they're a good person no there's a lot more to it when i saw the word scale i kind of put it as like we use other people's sins to tell ourselves well at least i'm not doing this yes. and it kind of like tilts the scale in our favor at least i'm not doing this at least i'm not doing that and it's like you can't use other people's wrongdoings to justify the sins that we have, if that makes sense. That totally makes yeah. sense. I think we do that do that a lot oh, in yeah. our community. I do that a lot. Because everybody's very open about their sins these days and nobody's holding back. You know what I mean? Okay, but I have a question. Not to Go ahead, up. girl. What do you think about that? What do you think about people being open about their sins? I think... Allah provided you with a veil, a veil that can easily cover all of your sins. And he's allowing you to have this humility, to humble yourself, to not showcase all these sins. Because, of course, these sins aren't sometimes that's what gets you into hell. And he's trying to help you, like, not allow anybody to see these sins and see you as in a different light. So Allah gives that gives us that shield. Like, subhanAllah, like, even when we sin, he's trying to protect us. But here you are saying, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to showcase my sins and I'm going to try to be relatable. And this, I think that's why we're in, a, we're in a day and age where everybody wants to be relatable and people relate on sins, I guess, or things like that, because you don't want to feel like you're the only Muslim that's not a good enough Muslim. Okay, I'm so happy we have these conversations because that just opened my eyes. But the way that I was thinking about it is at least they're being honest. Like you meet these people and you get into relationships with these people. And then you really get to know them and they're a completely different person than what you expected. Like you're using that veil to kind of be like two-faced. Like I am a Ooh, perfect, I see what you're you know saying. what I mean? Okay. I am a perfect Muslim. I pray and I do this, but behind closed doors, I'm drinking, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like I'd rather know upfront what kind of person you are before then, I, I dive. Know. That's hard. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. That's why I want to That's hard ask. because Allah, allow, Allah wants you to veil, like cover up your sins. How about this? Don't be a hypocrite. Don't say you're a good Muslim, but then behind the scenes you're doing this. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, if you're not a good person, don't, don't promote. Yeah, don't promote it. Like, you know what I mean? Don't promote it. It's just like, damn, just live your life yeah. without, the world does not need to know everything that you're doing. But at the same time, yes, like, oh my God, that's the worst thing to be is a hypocrite. And it says in our religion over and oh, over yeah. and over again, do not be a hypocrite. So I think those people, yes, I understand where you're yeah. coming from. I want to know what they're all oh, about. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are because a lot of people Because then it'll be like too that. late. It and is you're already too deep in. So that was my question. Go on. No, that's that's a really good question. I, I mean, we are in a day and age where people are just uploading just everything and anything and everybody's open. And you know what? I'm not judging. Do you? Yeah. But at the same time, you don't have to be relatable to like, you know, that relatable. You know what I mean? Let's just like, I don't know. Again, yeah, don't be fake and show that you're a perfect Muslim. <laughs> Nobody is. Like I said, prayer really only benefits you. It's not anyone else, not even Allah. It's it's just meant to bring you closer to Allah. It's a way to connect to Allah. It's a way to speak to him, to overcome your worldly desires. And it to me, it is a nice break sometimes. And I know like people are promoting meditation. I think that's also so great too, because I think it goes hand in hand with prayer. But it's like this sense of relief where you get to relax and just block out everything yeah. you know what i mean that's the same thing with meditation and that's how prayer is you just get to block out for five minutes of your day block out everything and when you do the prayer the right way where you're actually like 
where's the kashur where you're really focused mm-hmm. i think that's when you really benefit from prayer i think the reason why we skip it is because we're not doing it the right way and i think when it comes to advice on how to stay on top of your salah one plan your day around your salah not the other way around mm-hmm. you know what i mean if you do have a meeting at 2 p.m text your boss and tell her you're going to be five, 10 minutes late or pray your apps. Like I have, um, you love your apps. I yeah. love my apps because they, they'll send me a notification Great. and I'm on my phone 24 seven. Like honestly, same. it's hard to ignore those notifications when you're trying to pray. You know what I mean? Like if you want to pray and then you see that notification that, okay, it's the hood, get up and suddenly, okay. Now I know I have to get up and pray. It kind of motivates me. And it gives you a little guilt feeling, which is okay, I think. It does. And then also have a buddy system. And yeah. I think I've said this before. Have someone, if you have a friend who also wants to get back on this salah, text each other. Be like, hey, have you prayed You know, the fajr yet? Hey, have you prayed the asr yet? And once you have that someone to hold you accountable for, it kind of pushes you even further. Also, when it comes to marriages, sometimes you go into marriage and you realize your spouse is not somebody that's devoted to prayer. Don't judge them on that. Maybe they grew up in a household where they, yeah, it was not promoted as much or anything like that. Or maybe, yeah, it's just not something they've ever done. I know people that have gone into marriage and their husband just never prayed. And subhanAllah, they got their husband to pray after, what, a year of marriage? It takes time. So be patient with your spouses. Don't judge them and think that they're less than you just because they don't pray or anything like that. So I think that's that's a big deal too right there. Just when you can't, when you talked about the buddy system, do that with your husband, yeah. with your wife. Like do that. That's like, a good point. You know, you know, schedule each other to do that. But last and not least, I just feel like when it comes to prayer, like we're willing, girl, to work these long hours for this paycheck that goes, like, disappears on our bills <laughs> and everything like that. But we're not willing to stop our day for five minutes to pray, which is also what we get in return when we pray is a place in heaven. Like, imagine that, like, we're working long, tireless hours just to get that paycheck, but we won't pray for five minutes to get a piece of heaven, to get a little, like, you're almost like a renting space in Jenna. You're creating this house in Jenna for yourself with each prayer that you do. That's such a good point. I'm saying all this stuff, but I need to take my own advice. That's yeah. all I have to say. Like, <laughs> you know this stuff, but it's like sometimes it needs to it's really sink to in. It, yeah. Yes, definitely. So let's move on to the last and final question. How do you maintain relationships juggling social media and work life? Uh, I don't. I wish. What I did had, I write? What did I write? It's a constant struggle. Like, no, I, I <laughs> wish I had like a calculated answer for this. I wish I could tell you guys. Oh, it's easy. Do this, this, and that. But I don't. It doesn't and exist. Is, and, and this is something that we're dealing with, Dunya. And how many weekends do we let pass by us where we don't see family, where we don't see friends, where we're so focused on? And I love this podcast, and I'm not trying. But to But I say, wrote that. Why, yeah. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I love this podcast. I love what we're doing. But it's, it is a lot of work. And I mean, I went seven months without seeing my brothers because mm-hmm. I didn't want to miss a weekend of not recording. It is tough, but I think we have to look at it like a pie chart, right? Yes. We have, and let's split it into three. We have one side that's for work. We have one side that's for family. And the last side is for friends. And I think we have to constantly reevaluate that pie chart. Okay, last week I gave 50% to work and I gave this percent to family and I didn't give enough uh, percent of my time to my friends. Exactly. You know what, this weekend, let me shift things around. Let me mo- let me focus on my friends this weekend. And that pie chart is not going to always be the same. You need to shift things around because if you don't, you're going to get slumped and you're going to get, you know, burnt out and you're not going to be happy. And I think it's this is something that you and I are dealing with right now. 
it's I, sometimes I think work is like almost like the fixed thing that you can't change around. And then, but then it's sad because that you would treat your friends and your family as variables, but it's like one thing pays your bills and the other two don't. So it's kind of sometimes that's why I think a lot of us are like swamped at work and we're always at work. And sometimes we don't see our friends or family too much. But I think it's really important to surround yourself with when I'm talking about specifically friends who understand your struggle and understand that you can't pick up every call of theirs, you can't make every outing of theirs, and they can't just exclude you from future outings just because you have been to the last three you know what I mean I think yeah. that's very hurtful when people do that alhamdulillah with me and my friends like we're all super busy but somehow some way we make it work where at least once a month we see each other either we go out to dinner or we hang out at somebody's house I've gone to an age where it's like I just want to hang out at somebody's house and just chill there yeah. so you need those that support group who understands that you're always busy that once a month is good enough and we can see each other and talk and chill. You guys, we're not in high school mm-hmm. anymore. We don't need to see our friends every day to prove that we're still friends with them, right? Like yeah. send a message to them, let them know that, hey, like I love you guys. I'm just a little bit busy right now. And if you would, like you were saying, if they're understanding of that and if they have their own busy lives going for them, then they're going to understand that. But you don't need to see your friends every weekend to be like, okay, I'm a terrible friend. You know what I mean? They understand. I do have a lot of guilt when it comes to my family, though. Absolutely. Especially my mom, I think, because I feel like for the last few months, I have barely been home because, like I said, it's like either work, podcast, or there are events going on, too. And it's this just guilty feeling you have and I think it's hard for your parents to also understand when it comes to a side hustle like this. Like, my mom's like, okay, why are you guys doing it so much? Why is it like taking so many hours up out of your day, out of your week and stuff like that? That's another episode that we're going to talk about one day soon. Like just explaining to your parents that sometimes you don't always have to be an engineer for your work to actually matter. Like sometimes some of us are creatives and we like doing stuff like this on the side, even though your parents don't understand it. And it's a very, it's a very hard struggle. You know what I mean? That is something that I do want to work on more with my family. Finding, shifting that pie chart to include your family more. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Finding time for our family, especially. Like I think that's, I think that's something right now I want to focus on. But yeah. Going back to the whole entire pie chart, it's 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 a circle. It's never going to be perfect. You're never. I mean, there are times where you could just like make, it's not going to be break 30%, it up, but it's thirty percent, thirty percent. Yeah, it's going to give or take a little bit. Yes, it is. It's going to give or take a little bit, and it's going to be like that. But you got to really list out your priorities. I think that's what's important. List out what your priorities are. Put a schedule together for yourself. Have a planner and do that. But it everybody's just, struggling. Yeah, I mean, it sucks because I think we're also conditioned to think that oh, you can have it all. Women can have it all. And like, how can you have? a family that you're taking care of, a successful work life, and then time for your friends. And I think that we have all this pressure on us to be like these perfect women because we see it in the movies, we see it in the TV, on TV shows that we watch. And it's like, that's not attainable. No, And it's, it's messy. And it's you're going to break down. And I, and I want to talk about taking a break. Like, this is something I've seen on social media a lot. Like, I want people to know that Putting the pause button on something doesn't mean that you're a failure, doesn't mean that you're lazy, doesn't mean anything negative except for the fact that you need to focus on yourself and take care of yourself sometimes before you do burn out. What is success? How are you going to be successful if you're burnt out? It's just not going to happen. And you know what? We're humans. Even if you're trying to keep pushing and pushing and pushing yourself, your body will shut down. Your body has shut down before. Yeah. My body has shut down. You get sick too, which is not even fun. Oh, no. I got the flu twice last year because I was so stressed out with work. Yes. And I was so exhausted. And burnout can lead to other things, not just physical, but like emotional. Mm-hmm. If you're burnt out, if you're feeling disgusting, 
it's going to, one, you're going to isolate yourself. You're going to feel depressed. You're going to have failed relationships because the people in your life might not understand what you're, what's going on with yourself and they're going to feel neglected. You're not going to take care of your physical or mental health. All these things attribute to just putting too much on your plate. And society makes you believe that in order to be successful, you have to be constantly grinding and grinding. No, that's not true. And I'm glad people have been talking about taking breaks and stuff like that. We've taken breaks before, which is really nice. Like yeah. we've, we've worked really hard on one weekend and the next weekend we were able to not have to record and just relax. Oh, yeah. And it was, how nice was that? You know what I mean? As yeah. much as we love this podcast, I'm sorry, but there's times like we can't deal with it. Like no. I'm tired. I, I can't, you know what I mean? You have to we, remember we do have, one full-time full -time job. jobs yes then we have our family then we have all the other stuff that comes in our how about ourselves like about just like even just focusing yeah. on ourselves in oh, general yeah. like, i mean we're focusing on our friends family work but even you oh when's when do you get me time seriously it's selfish to take me time i Dunya. used to always get a facial i used to always go to the coffee shops and chill and read by myself i used to just like do a lot of but it's like there's absolutely no, no time for yeah. that i actually read a forbes article that said Men are 25% more likely to take breaks throughout the day for personal activities, 7% more likely to take a walk, 5% more likely to go out to lunch, and 35% more likely to take breaks just to relax. Yeah, I see that a lot in my office. And it's like women, I feel like we've spoken about this before, but we feel that we have to push ourselves 10 times harder. We have to work 10 times harder. We have to be more present because we feel like we're still fighting for a seat at the table. And that's not the case. You're right. Because I see the guys in my office. They're just chilling, talking yeah. about their week and stuff like that. Here I am stressing I've over like never, a project. I've been at my job for 19 months. Never once took a lunch break. You don't? Ever. I'll no, girl. I still my, take a lunch break. I'll <laughs> eat my lunch at my desk as I'm working. Oh, okay. So I do this, which is probably like against company rules. I take an actual <laughs> lunch break where I'll go grab coffee and I'll chill and do some work. Then when it comes to my like lunchtime, I'll eat my lunch at my desk. Honestly, so I, I want to start doing breaks. that. I want to start doing that. You know what I mean? I, I need to. Why not? I mean, I'm, I'm entitled to that lunch to that lunch break, so I'm gonna take it, but I'm not gonna eat my lunch. But I'll eat my lunch at my desk. Basically, yeah, you can you can multitask. Yeah. So overall, you guys, I think um, don't ever think that you can juggle all three at the same time and allow it to be perfect. There's times where you're gonna feel guilty, where you don't see your friends, friends and family enough, and I'm feeling that right now. And then there's times where you're just putting so much emphasis on work, and sometimes you need to because if you want to succeed and you want to push your project or whatever it is to the next level, sometimes you have to put all your energy in there. It's all about prior prioritizing, like you said, Zaina. It's all about like some months you're going to focus on this some months you're going to focus on that at the end of the day i think you need a good group of friends and family who are going to support you no matter what and listen to your body maybe you're just the type that needs one day off to be able to recharge yourself maybe you're the type that needs a whole week off just do it i want three months off <laughs> i want a whole year off but you know whatever we'll see but i really hope you guys enjoyed this episode zane and i like to sometimes come on here solo just to talk you know connect with you guys again um but inshallah we have a lot of amazing episodes coming your way absolutely as always like we are very overwhelmed with all the support that we have been receiving and like I said, when we just get that DM with that nice message, like you don't know how much that means to us. And like you, we both said, we yeah. jump up in there and it's not being cheesy or cliche, like because this is something that you and I are only working on. You and I created this. So yeah. when you see other people benefiting from what you created, that's a surreal feeling. And I want to let people know that when we do respond and we say like, oh my God, this made my night. Oh my God, this made me smile. I want you to know we genuinely mean it. Like it's not just fluff it's not just us saying something to respond we are so happy that like you said we're sitting in my spare bedroom right now creating something just you and I that's reaching so many women and it's helping so many women and it makes you feel like okay 
all this stress, all this work, all this, you know, these tears and these arguments, everything is for a reason. You know what I mean? It's not like going to the wind. It's it's for a reason. And that, that makes me feel Our like, Our efforts okay, are not being wasted. Exactly. And it makes me feel like, okay, it's worth it. Yeah. And I really hope that you guys continue listening to us, continue giving us feedback, continue yes, giving us reviews. Cause like I said, reviews really, really matter. Like I cannot stress that enough. That's, but I mean, Michelle, we've have over 250 reviews. That's awesome. Thank 250 you so much. people decided to just come on there, either give us a five star or just like literally write so a light. sweet love. I do. I feel like, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like sometimes it's like easy to think, Oh, our community is not supportive and stuff like that. Yeah, that does exist. But then there's also that big chunk of our community where it's like, no, I want to see others when that look like me. I want to focus on those people. Yeah. I want to focus on those people. I I want to work well with those people. Um, but yeah, I hope to see you guys at future networking events. Yes. And, I, and we hope to just, you know, keep doing this. And Thank keep, you guys so much yeah. for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.